Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Pre-Combat Check Podcast. The topic of discussion today is what some veterans consider working after they get out of the military, security contracting. Today my guest Sal, formerly a Marine and current static security contractor, will paint an image of what the job is, what you really do, the benefits, and realities of those considering this line of work. Enjoy the show. Sal, what's up, homie? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, dude. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good so far. Thanks. Beautiful morning. Prior to contracting overseas, you were in the Marines. What did you do there? I was an infantryman, specifically a mortarman attached to an infantry squad. Really cool. And what years were you there? Uh, 2006 to 2010, and then rolled over to National Guard. And then following your time in the military, you became a security contractor. Most people seem to think security contractor means mercenary. Let's clear the air. What exactly is a security contractor? Security contractor or officer, or otherwise known as an IC, independent contractor, provides his professional experience and knowledge to augment security on a perimeter in a fortified position and operated security systems in order to facilitate daily operations. So essentially, you're a security guard. <laughs> yes. Can you explain the umbrella of contracting? At the center of the umbrella is your client or principal, and he, she, or they requires that security in all forms, whether it's cybernetic, mobile, static, being a military advisor, and training foreign elements. All of these disciplines are usually, for the most part, performed in officer environments that are located overseas. Okay, so danger zones, people need protection, and so they hire the security guards to be there for them, correct? Yeah, exactly. They're their uh, first line uh, of defense, and uh, especially like to man those walls and uh, train other locals or people that are going to help them out in doing it. So, How did you learn about contracting? Okay, so while I was transitioning back home from my second deployment in the Marines, I was uh, located in a huge fob in Iraq. And within that base itself, there were many different compounds that were isolated with their own gates and and with its own guard towers. I noticed that people driving in and out who were guarding their own walls and gates had no regular uniform or even shave for that matter. So I told myself that one day I would learn and work in that particular realm of which most personnel just keep kept to themselves and ran their own operations. So I was drawn early on to that cool guy status. So that was appealing for me. Yeah, it seems to be pretty common. I know when I was on deployment, I would roll in the same way. I'd see guys opening up the gate for us, and they would have big beards, wearing a polo and nice pants, and that's it. And then they would just go to their room and hang out, and I always wondered who they were. Figured they were contractors, but I didn't really know the details. When you applied for this job, did you do it through a buddy, or did you go through the process online? I went through the process online um, because I didn't really have like an in even though, I mean, it was uh, a lot easier if I had no, if I had had a buddy network and a referral, because that would have definitely like uh, paved the way a lot quicker to get uh, the first call. Okay, so you did this before you left the Marines, correct? Yes, I, I did this before a year getting out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, and did you have one company in mind, or did you apply to many different companies? I did my research in regards to which were the companies of where I was, um, of which would have been more appealing. So mobile, 
um, or static. It didn't really matter at this point. I just wanted to get my feet in the door with one company and then learn from there. Uh, so I had applied to like three different companies and and the company called uh, MVM was the first one that I had applied for. And that's how I started. Do you have to get your security clearance in order to contract? Uh, yes, everyone needs to get clearance. The process can be painstaking, especially if you live overseas and if you have four relatives. Another reason why I applied a year prior to leaving active duty. Yeah, it makes sense. That's a lot of paperwork to gather, and it probably takes a while to get your clearance. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, so the clearance uh, through DOD will be used as a frame for those contracting jobs that fall under a DOD agency and entity. If you find yourself having to apply for a State Department or DOS, uh, I would just stand by to go through their process. So that's a follow to my next question. Your DOD clearance does not cover you on the contracting side. That's what it sounds like. Is that correct? Yeah, because the the entity that you're going to work for, they'll only use it as a frame, but you'll still have to fill out another SF-86 and do all the paperwork like if you were just right at the beginning in your military career. And the SF-86 is the paperwork you need to do to get your clearance. Exactly. So for those listening, definitely uh, get get on that right before you get out so you have all the, all the paperwork. At least that's half of the paperwork right there. If not, you can essentially stand by for three months to a year, maybe even longer than that if you don't do it prior to getting out. Yeah, because the, um, the time frames can be different for any company out there depending on what the client's demands are. So, but definitely a security clearance will take at least a solid year. All right, that's good to know for guys getting out. After all the paperwork is completed, which sounds like there's a lot, how long do people have to wait on average before trying out? To try out or begin an in-doc or a vetting course, I would say so far nowadays it's taken like a full year. So pretty much your clearance has to go through and then you'll get to go vet. Yes. And what was the trial like? Well, it comprised of physical fitness tests that are in accordance with an industry standard that is commensurate with the specific job you're applying for. So there's plenty of range time to pass shooting qualification courses, plus extra work shooting from different platforms and weapons and from, and from a variety of vehicles. There are many patrolling scenarios, night shoots under nods or night vision. And of course, uh, at least not forget kill house scenarios. So the vetting, in essence, is a breakdown of every basic task you learned in the military. Basically, yes. Okay. And it's and it's all condensed into like a couple of weeks or uh, maybe twenty days, or there's some other courses that last like forty three or forty five days. That just depends on which job you get as a contractor, correct? Correct. Yes. And then if you pass everything, how long are you guaranteed work? Uh, being offered to work to go down range varies on the client's demands for increasing or decreasing security personnel. It is always beneficial to be proactive in asking for work around the holidays since the, since the seasoned veterans that are already deployed and down range are more likely to be wanting to stay home stateside with their families. Since you have a limited time for work, does that mean that you have to revet in order to extend that guaranteed two years or whatever the client permits after your initial vetting? Yes, uh, rebetting is required to maintain your status at a job that demands the IC, independent contractor, to be proficient in skills. Uh, 
and therefore continue to satisfy that um, regimen of guys going down range on a constant basis. Once you vet or revet, is there an obligation to the company in order to fulfill the contract? It is known that once you accept a contingent offer that is extended you that is extended to you at the end of your vetting course, that you comply in deploying to a specific amount of days in country downrange. That varies depending on which company and who the client is in order to satisfy the criteria of a specific amount of manpower to ensure that safety and security of those you protect overseas. So like let's say you vet and you pass all the qualifications, then you know you need to fulfill like a uh, 180 days with boots on boots on ground which is a good thing because that guarantees you work however if you sign up and don't want to go there could be repercussions yeah the repercussions could be like you owe them uh basically a big chunk of money for putting you through the vetting courses and stuff of which actually cost money to the company for each individual and that can be pretty uh pretty expensive so all right so once you go through vetting you're committed so just at least fulfill the basic amount of days and you'll be good. Right. And if, let's say, the company can't uh, send you down immediately downrange after you're done with betting, or let's say the, they'll actually put you on a bench. And being on the bench doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing because you actually get paid while sitting on the bench. And of course, you're not getting paid the daily rate of what you would be making as a contractor downrange. But at least it's uh, satisfying the criteria of, of serving those um, mandatory days that you're obligated by contract and once you pass all the qualifications meaning the paperwork you got your security clearance and went through vetting do you start working right away or is there any additional training you have to go through before you can deploy so some companies require that you fulfill the basic criteria for physical fitness tests and shooting packages however there are also other schools that you can attend once you have gained seniority or there may be other schools that are required to participate that are solely mission and area of operation dependent. So again, it just depends on the job that you get, but typically you just go through vetting and then you'll deploy once you get a date from there. Yes. The war trips are called deployments, just like in the military. How long is one trip on average? Starting out as a newbie or FNG, I made sure to go out for as much as the company's deployment specialist asked me to. So on average, I left for 60 days or a max of 90. I've seen people do more, but that really depends on the circumstance and how bad certain positions need to be manned downrange. Compared to the military, that amount of days is nothing for most guys that deploy it. A year, a year and a half, nine months, that's cake. Absolutely, that's just like a blink over the eye, really. So with these short amount of days, can you make your own schedule? You can make your own schedule as long as you actually communicate clearly what your situation is at home and what our, whatever else you have going on. And as an IC, I made sure to lend a hand to the company when they were short and staffed, and that created like a good standing with the company itself. After all, you're lending your services to a company that manages 200 plus and more ICs like yourself, so it is in, it's in your best interest to be available. And then once you go overseas, what are your duties to perform? The duties can be like a wide array of them. So I perform services that require me in any place or climate to assist my client and fellow contractors to drive key personnel or a team of co-workers to locations of interest. Uh, we set up LZs, we manned walls, towers, advised and trained, 
we managed a, a team or multiple teams. I translated or interpreted. Uh, you can medically assist also. Uh, be essentially a professional buffer between your client and a foreign entity so that your client's operations would run seamlessly. Sounds like the duties overseas are pretty diverse and it's just whatever they need at the time. Correct. The more skills you have, then the better the better is because you become essential to the mission and, and especially to a specific area of operations too. That makes sense. Is it hard? I believe it's hard if you're not professionally ready to embark on a 90 day trip and be away from your loved ones during holidays and birthdays. But the camaraderie and daily ins and outs gets you through most. And is the job dangerous? Inherently it is. The scope of work requires that an IC has those critical skills and intelligence to get themselves even out of a jam or particular situations that may arise. So be prepared. Well, that's why all the guys there are primarily from the military and some from the law enforcement because they have that background and can make those calls, especially in sticky situations. Yep. Do you need any gear? I really like taking my own personal gear because that is what I trained with while at home, honing my skills and maintaining my proficiency for the job. However, the company you work for provides the tools you need to all necessary tasks. Just don't expect to get high-end cryo-precision or the latest SPR with match grade this or that because it is a standard contract per se. The tools that you get are commensurate along with what needs to be done. So you will get good stuff, but don't expect like the top of the line. That's what we're trying to get at. So that's good for guys that are just starting out. If they don't have money, you don't have to worry about it because everything will be covered. But right. if you want to get your own gear and get better at it and more efficient, you can do so as time progresses. Right. The only things that you can't do are modify weapons and uh, the personal uh, very personal gear like radio equipment and stuff, you can't modify that. That has to stay within specific parameters to satisfy the, the contract. What are the conditions like overseas? Certain uh, FOBs or forward operating bases have all the amenities you could possibly need. Some entail old buildings with criteria to shelter you from IDF, which is indirect fire, but there's not really the best infrastructure on the inside to keep you warm or clean. So, uh, also some compounds are, aren't fully developed or are in the process of being built, so stand by to enjoy a rundown kind of environment. Over the course of years, I have experienced high end and low end. It really depends where you go. Just like the military, so it doesn't sound like too much of a difference, but some places can be really nice, correct? You'll have Wi-Fi and... Some places can be like, it's just your, you're maybe like staying at a Marriott, and in that end, there's... I mean, with those amenities that, you know, you would definitely enjoy back at home and stateside. Yeah, pretty cool. Compared to the military, about how much time do you get to spend with family throughout the year? I have definitely missed holidays and birthdays and anniversaries and weddings and many more. But while you're home on R&R, you have to make the most of the allotted time off that you're given to enjoy between deployments. Now, when you're on R&R, you're actually not even called to go do anything extra, unless there's some paperwork or medical appointments that, you, in order for you to keep your active status as an IC ready to go to work. I think the question most guys care about is the pay. What is the pay range? The pay range varies from which particular contract it has been established with, whether a private entity or DOD or DOS, 
there are different programs that pay incentives for certain management skills or specialties you bring to the program, especially if you're a DDM, sniper, paramedic, or canine. Moreover, I, certain programs require you to be more exposed to dangers and hazards that are rampant in areas that are slightly more kinetic than others. You're looking at ranges from 350 to 750 as a daily rate. So the rates is pretty high and that pay sounds really good. But like you said before, it comes at a cost of missing birthdays, not being with family all throughout the year. So there's a sacrifice to it. Definitely. Do companies provide health benefits, retirement, things like that? Certain companies require that you come with your own health or life insurance. Uh, some great companies out there actually provide their own that you can buy into. Some others offer partial policies that you can opt to choose. I still have to hear of a company that provides a retirement plan, though. But they pay you so much that they expect you to take care of yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it is, that is the sole reason why they contract your services as an independent contractor, because you can actually take care of everything else that needs to happen back at home while you're working. So, Especially for family. But a lot of veterans have health care provided through the VA, and so that can help out if you're deciding whether the benefits really matter or not. Uh, personally, I have like uh, life insurance, and I do still go through the VA while I'm back at home. Of course, I, I had to buy in uh, some health insurance for my kids because obviously I'm not active duty or I'm not retired military. So, so yeah. Yeah, just something to consider. Yeah. Does higher pay signify a higher quality contract? Not necessarily, but being paid higher at least puts you in a good into a pool of guys that have a much better skill set, and the missions are tailored to a demanding environment. Let's say you are getting paid 350, expect to be like a static guard in a static position and maybe rotate through in and out from one post to another, but that's pretty much it. If you're mobile, it's a whole different game as to where you know the pay is commensurate along with those, ha those haphazards that can happen along the way as you're driving from one location to another, transporting people and and materials so it's dependent you know on on what type of specific job you're doing so the higher pay the more dangerous but you should be more qualified because they're going to ask more of you yeah no you have to come already with with us like let's say you have just the basic skills or like you're just a basic infantryman nothing really special and there are obviously um uh, loopholes to that also but uh, if you are if you just have like the basic skills, you're basically going to get your like a basic job. But if you come like more specialized, or you come from a special operations committee and whatnot, obviously you're going to put those skills to to better use if you do something that actually is more demanding. So you know, I would I would always shoot for the better job. If you have those skills, great, go for it. And when we say those skills, like you said before, is the designated marksman. But a lot of it has to do with what unit you were assigned to in the military. And when I say that, I mean special operations. So if you have a special operations background, you have access to more contracts. And with that does come more pay, but the entry level job there is going to be more qualifications. It's going to be a more extensive test for you to get it, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the loophole that you're talking about is if you are just a regular infantryman, you can go in at that base level. And then if you have enough time and meet enough people, there's still a chance that you can work at these higher level contracts. Yep, I agree with that. What is the overall cult culture of being a security contractor? 
there are so many backgrounds that make up a pool of contractors, but a common theme are grunts, whether specialized or not. The military mindset is prevalent and quite a dominating factor in the small world of security contractors. So you'll definitely meet like a lot of people that are just alike, like, uh, like you were in the military. Since just about every contractor has a military or law enforcement background, would you say the camaraderie is the same as in the military? I would say that the camaraderie definitely is goes along with, uh, let's say you meet a buddy that was in your same unit or more or less in the same area of operations when you were there too. So you, you build on those like little details when you find people that are alike or that did the same job or, you know, so yeah, I like the camaraderie because it, it creates like really good friendships and, and I think ideally you want to be on schedule with these buddies that you, that you, uh, that you make along the way. Definitely. As we both know too, it's a small world. And so chances are you're going to bump to someone that you serve with or in deployment with or went through some school while you're in the military. Indeed. Which is pretty weird, but it makes it a lot of fun. Yes. What are some positives from working this job? Um, a big positive, a big plus is that you get to make the necessary arrangements to catch up on your finances and get a head start to gain some initial capital if you want to start a business. Ultimately, the goal is always to end up working the next uh, big gig from the one that you're just starting at. And of course, the ultimate gig would be to uh, get a great job back at home stateside. Which could be difficult for some people. However, that is the goal, and hopefully you have something in mind that you're working towards while you're contracting. Yeah, it could be school also. So, so you're trying to make that money and um, get that good uh, finances going, finances, financial plan going on for you so you can go back to school and not be worried about too much of your finances while you're trying to get ahead in your education or a business that you want to really start. It's a great place to set yourself up. Yeah. What are some negatives? Um, like I said before, the time away spent from your loved ones is really the number one Debbie Downer. Um, and a lot of people will say that, you know, I'm not out I'm not out here in deployment to make friends, but that's not true. You wanna actually make friends and alliances in regards to networking. Networking is a huge thing. So if you don't do these things, it's it's actually like it's not a great experience. So Yeah, and a lot of veterans that get out of the military, they are dealing with depression or some guys have PTSD and a lot of that has to do with the camaraderie and the brotherhood that they now lack in the civilian world that isn't the same and you're not going to find it anywhere but if you work a job like this at least you're going to have guys that share a similar background if not the exact same as you and so you'll be able to get along with them yeah it's pretty important to uh to get along and uh definitely you know share those experiences because that's really what makes your deployment also and like you said being away from family that's the biggest debbie downer in the military guys are used to that and it's had some serious negative effects on the relationships. And that's something really to consider into this line of work. Yeah, I definitely agree. How can guys prepare themselves for applying, getting paperwork together, trying out, and even going overseas? I'd say uh, number one is be fit. Be physically fit because it's uh, it can be demanding. And just be ready to pass the tests that are required. Your shooting skills have to be up to par for sure. For specific questions, I'm sure the guys can reach out to you and ask those detailed inquiries. 
What is the best way to get a job contracting? Networking is huge. Unlike any other business, referrals apply a huge role in landing that gig on the next best program that you deem to be the one you were looking for. So understand that network is huge around here. So it's a buddy club. That's what you're saying. Definitely. It's a big boys buddy club and everyone, you know, if you, the better you get along, the more friends you make, the, the better your network is going to be. So, and that is definitely a, a, uh, uh, one of the primary ways to get that really good job that, or that really cool guy job that you've always wanted. Yeah. Some guys apply online and they have to wait a year or two years before they hear back. But the guy that knows the recruiter personally, his paperwork can go straight to the front and he can get a job very shortly. Yeah, definitely happens over there. Do you have any additional advice for those considering this line of work? I'd say like, uh, like previously, like I stated, it is a place to start to get back on track financially and make future business partners and prepare for the next big, best big adventure. So I would take the job in strides and learn from the best peers that you have and those veterans that have been around for quite some time on the program. Sounds like good advice. That just about wraps things up. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I am sure a lot of guys are curious, and this is just the information they were searching for. Good luck and stay safe wherever you deploy. Thanks for being here, man. You're welcome, man. It's always a pleasure, bud. And uh, it, was, it was a good experience helping you out. God bless America. Yeah, I appreciate it. To get more information about the process of joining, go to precombatcheck.com. Subscribe to this podcast to hear from more current and former members of the United States military. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes.